What's up, guys? Uh, crazy NBA stuff has happened. We're finally at the end of the season. We're about to start the playing games. Going to give our uh, NBA award picks and talk about a whole bunch more. Joining me today is Matteo Mayorga from Five Reasons Sports. I'm Robert Bentulin. What's up, man? It's a pleasure to be back, my man. The NBA season is over. We're gearing up for the playing. Uh, how are you doing? Good, man. Like I said, it's uh, one of my favorite times of the year. I love the NBA playoffs. All the boring season stuff is over. Now it's real ball. I uh, can't wait to talk about it, man. Um, let's get into it, dude. So this time of year, uh, I love doing this. It's the NBA awards and our pre- and predictions. Um, couldn't think of a better person to have come on than you to talk about all this stuff. Um, Thank you. Let's let's uh, let's get right into it, man. So we're going to save the MVP for last. because Obviously, that has the most uh, conversation around it. Uh, I'll give you the floor, man. Who, who Where should we start first besides the MVP? You know, let's go with sixth man of the year. Sounds good. uh, For most of the season, I want to say around till the trade deadline, I thought Russell Westbrook was in firm command of it, but then he got traded, then cut, uh, later started in a new role as a starter with the Clippers. But Malcolm Brogdon took the shine for a bit, but then competing with him was Emmanuel Quickly, and he's the one who I have picked for the award. He's... Uh, played in enough games off the bench um, to be a serious contender in my view and he's someone who really is such a blur at standing at six foot five he can create separation without a screen and he's also a pretty good defender a little underrated in, in the way how I see it but Malcolm Brogdon is someone in Boston who super efficient good numbers as well I I do anticipate a lot of people picking him but personally I, I just think Emmanuel quickly is uh, the better choice because, you know, I just watched a little bit more Knicks games than Boston Celtics games this year, man. Yeah. Well, let's get into that for a second. I don't disagree with you. Uh, that's a good call, man. A lot of people forgot Russell Westbrook was playing really well off the bench when he accepted that role at the Lakers. And when he got traded, uh, he was really put in the starting lineup. So that really changed a lot of things for him. Um, look, FanDuel has the, has the favorites as quickly winning the award. Uh, but I want to ask you a question because I have a little bit of confusion when it comes to the sixth man of the year. So sure. Emmanuel quickly, uh, look, he was a very, very popular name coming into the offseason. He had a lot of talent. Uh, he showed spurts here and there. But this year he really took off, man. He's he's really turned into quite the player. Uh, it's going to be interesting what the Knicks do with him in the future. But regardless of all that, look, he started 20-plus um, games this year. And yeah. I want to ask you, do you th- and Brogdon has simply come off the bench, maybe started one or two games here or there, but hasn't really started many games and compared to quickly. Um, I'm not knocking quickly as a player. I do think um, he, he should win the award, but what Brogdon doing is, is really good. And I see a lot of people asking questions. Um, do you think quickly should win the award, even though he started 20 games uh, this year, or do you think it's as long as you come off the bench more than you start that you should be qualified for this award? I think you should qualify if you have significant more bench appearances than um, starting uh, minutes. But here's the thing. If if people want to use that as criteria, I I understand it. To tell you the truth, a lot of uh, the late game or the late season bolstering to Emmanuel Quickly's points per game average has come in games where he has started. So it it could be a little misleading when you also check the number, but – Listen, Malcolm Brogdon had a very great campaign. He played in 67 games and 
he was not a starter for any of them. The, the, the reason why I like Quickly a little more is it really just comes down to how I like basketball played. It's just Malcolm it does not have the explosive first step that Emmanuel does. And because of that, I think he's more reliant on the help of a teammate setting a screen to get open. Not It's not with every matchup. There are some slower footed forwards or guards who Malcolm can get by, but I just think Emmanuel does that easier. And, you know, again, it, it, I may be a little biased because I, I've seen a little bit more Knicks games, but Emmanuel is just my pick. Yeah. Um, look, I like Emmanuel quickly a lot. I think he's, I think offensively he's really turned it up a level this year. Um, and, and, you're right, man. Brogdon, Brogdon is the definition of a professional basketball player. He's going to do all the right things. He may not be the sexiest player in the world, but he gets the job done. Uh, he's done really good off the bench this year, but I, I'm with you, man. I think Emmanuel quickly has really been an electric spark for the Knicks this year. They're having a great year. The Celtics obviously are having a great year too, but um, uh, my pick would also be quickly. I just think what he's done this year um and and the scoring that he's provided uh is 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 too hard for me to pass up even though i have the ultimate respect for brogdon i think it's going to be closer than what a, a lot of people think but for me i'm going to give quickly the nod as well so uh we both have the same six man of the year so uh happy to hear uh your opinion on that one um let's get to another one that i find pretty interesting uh by the way any other shout outs you want to give for six man of the year before we move on Yes, I'm glad you asked. Malik Monk was putting up some serious yeah. work like a month ago. So he was so good, in fact, that I had to you know, cover my my bets on some some of these sportsbook websites and get some tickets on him. He was just terrific. He was just lighting it up in February and March, and you know, I, I actually thought he could contend. And you know. I feel like this is a thing when you watch movies, you watch games, you tend to remember what was seen last the most because it's it's what's freshest in your mind. So he's someone that put up a pretty good um year for for that um for that award. But my last one is Bobby Portis. He missed eleven games like in January, um with like an injury to I think his knee, but he was also very good. He averaged nearly a double double off the bench. But yeah. those are my guys. But again, quickly topic. Very, very good choices. Um, I, I respect Bobby Porras, man. He's turned into quite the player. Uh, he had that, you know, fiasco in Chicago. After that, he's really turned into uh, a decent player that can help you off a championship team. So I like him. Um, one guy that I'm also going to give a shout-out to is Tyus Jones from the Grizzlies. Uh, when John Morant was gone, he really took over and helped that team get into a win streak and ride the ship. Uh, I think he's a very underrated guard. I, in my opinion, he might be the best backup point guard in the league. Um, I like Tyus Jones game a lot. I don't think he's going to win the award, but he should definitely be in the conversation for uh six man of the year. Like his game a lot. Um, all right, let's get into uh defensive player of the year. This one can go so many ways in my opinion. Um, I'll take, I'll take it here first. So a lot of people have, uh, Brooke Lopez is the favorite, um, for what he does. I think he's a tremendous player. He has really, transformed his game into the modern NBA it is today. Uh, respect him for that. Uh, he, defensively, he's having the best year of his career. Um, really good player, man. But um, I, when you have Giannis, man, I, I don't want to take any away from, from Brooke. It, it really helps you <laughs> do a lot of things on defense that you normally couldn't do. Um, but Brooke Lopez is having quite the career. But for me, I'm going to give the edge to Jaron Jackson. I think this is the year he wins it. He's just been phenomenal um, on both sides. 
But uh, defensively, man, he's really taken another step this year. I've seen a couple of games on league pass. Uh, he's, he's done well. He can really cover one through five. Um, he's quick, uh, gets a lot of block shots. He at times has a weakness for rebounding, but overall, I really like his defensive presence, man. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr., the fearless Triple J, is, is a solid pick. What I like is his closeout speed from getting to the inside to the outside to contest, you know, perimeter shots. He is someone who is so dominant defensively. People forget he only plays 28 minutes a night. But, you know, to me, I, I, I nitpick a little. Um, you know, he played in 63 games. One of the top uh, players in uh, one of the top players in this category was Brooke Lopez. I think he had like 78 games or so. But to tell you the truth, you know, I don't want to make too much of too too much of both of, of of really of that. I contradicting myself a little bit because neither one of them are my picks. It's really Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's been the best player in the league this season, and you know, defensively because of Brooks' shot blocking numbers, I think people just forget how much of a threat Giannis is. You know, bothering the outside or just on the weak side as well. But Giannis is someone who also played in. 63 games, which would be the same as Jaron Jackson Jr., but where he has him beat just a little bit is in, you know, rebounding, specifically the, the defensive one. He's got like 9.6 to Jaron's, like five. Jaron's averaging six total. I think one of them comes on the yeah. offensive. But Giannis is really, I think, the best disruptor in the league. And I think people don't want, uh, people just forget to mention it because he's just so dominant on the other end and he's come up a lot in MVP conversation. I 100% agree, man. I think uh, a lot of people uh, take his greatness for granted. Uh, that is a tremendous pick as well. Um, but um, what do you notice about Brooke Lopez, man? A lot of sports books have him as a, as a favorite to, uh, to win the award. Um right there neck and neck of Jaron Jackson. Believe it or not, uh, Alex Caruso is another candidate. But uh, what do you think of Lopez and Caruso potentially? You know, Caruso is one of the better defensive perimeter players in the league. I'm not so sure if I would agree with John Hollinger and say he's the best because I really like my man Drew Holiday. This yeah, I 100% agree with that. I saw that as well. I, I am on the same boat. You know, listening to even what I'm saying, I'm starting to realize how how stacked the Milwaukee Bucks are. I mean, <laughs> just some of my projections, but sticking with Brooke, he's really an excellent protector in the paint, man. If Giannis is on the other side and the ball handler chose to attack the side opposite of Giannis, he is, Brooke is there if the point of attack defense gets beat. And really, if he's on the floor um, with or without Giannis, you see the opponent a lot of the times prefer to um, organize their offense from the outside instead of the inside. He, I know, um, I think right now he's averaging like two and a half blocks a game. And that's a big deal considering like his age. Well, it would be a big deal for anybody because two and a half blocks is tremendous. But Brooke is, I want to say in his mid thirties, he's been a pro for a long time. And really he never, when he started his career, he wasn't known for being, you know, astute on that side of the ball. But exactly. he, he turned into it in the second half of his career and now being one of the best uh, defensive players in the league really just sticks out to me is when he sticks out his arms and I wouldn't want to go inside the paint because um, 
first of all, you know, I'm, I, I don't really have a high pain threshold, so I, I wouldn't be someone that gets to the line much anyway, but it's embarrassing to have your shot swatted away. And he does it a lot. hundred <laughs> percent agree, dude. He's like shooting over the Eiffel tower. Um, <laughs> pretty crazy, man. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. Is there any other candidates you want to throw out there before we move on? Yo, Nick Claxton, he was definitely yeah, true. He was I, he may have fizzled out in popularity, not in like you know on court production towards the last fourth of the season, but why I really liked him a lot too, and why I wouldn't mind if he actually won is because he spends a lot of his time guarding in the outside, and he was also averaging I think when I last saw like close to two and a half blocks a game, and it's it's harder to block an opponent's uh, shot if it's a jumper than if it's closer to the rim. So he would be probably my last Bam out of bio. I, I really like him. He's as good defensively as anybody probably, but Miami kind of slipped in the standings and, you know, I don't, I don't want to uh, reward, uh, give, uh, give somebody too much credit if they're on a team that's not so high in the standings for this award. I, I know it's, it's an individual thing but you're really the defensive mvp of the team you you really need to have have come through uh way and beyond yep yeah you said it well man um claxton's a very uh nice uh mention dude he was having a really good first half yeah he slipped a little bit but he's still a, a really good player man so that's a nice shot out there um what's the next one we can do coach of the year this is pretty easy for me um Kings haven't made the playoffs in 16 years, and the Kings have one of the best offenses in the league. Defense is another story, but uh, look, they snapped out of the 16-year uh, playoff drought. Um, I don't think – and I want to give a shout-out to the OKC coach, what he's done this year. Uh, I think they exceeded expectations, but uh, it's got to be Mike Brown, right? Absolutely. We don't got to spend too much time on this. I want to give a quick shout-out to Mike Brown because when he was an assistant with the Warriors, he was really – after Alvin Gentry left to be with the New Orleans Pelicans, he's obviously no longer there. But when Mike Brown was with um, the Warriors, he designed a lot of their offense and they're still running some of his sets today without him. But, you know, turning the Kings into a 50 win team when they hadn't made the playoffs in 16 seasons is it really it really speaks for itself because a lot of these guys are the same players from last year. I know they, they got Sabonis at the trade deadline. They got Kevin Herter at, at the end uh, at the offseason. But a lot of the same DNA from the last few years has been there and Mike Brown did a hell of a job. Yeah. hundred percent. Can't really uh, say anything more. I, I, like I said, I want to give uh, some love to the OKC coach. Um, I think they exceeded expectations. A lot of teams or a lot of people, including myself thought they would have one of the worst records in the NBA. So good for them. They have a superstar in SGA and uh, it's going to be a fun little team to watch in the play in. Um all right, let's get to rookie of the year. I'll let you go first, man. Um, look, in the beginning of the year, this is really a runaway, but I think it's a little bit closer than what people would think. But uh, I still think this is a unanimous uh, favor. But I'll let you take this one. I I'm not sure if it'll be unanimous. Paolo should definitely get the award. He was definitely the most polished rookie. He, you know, he looked like a taller Carmelo Anthony and just as poor defensively as, as old Mello, but <laughs> he looks like a real future building block for the Orlando Magic, something they have been truly coveting. I, I know they didn't have a great record this year, but they showed improvement in a lot of key areas and their young players. I know like 
uh, Suggs, uh, Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, like these, it, there's a lot of value in having them play a lot of minutes with a guy like Bancaro because this is this is how chemistry is built. But really, he should win the award. Um, Jalen Williams from OKC is someone that was kind of challenging a bit because I think it had to do a, a little bit with the team's record. But this this is one of the you know the awards where it's 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 hard to you know way too much uh, games played because it's guys' first year in the season. Like realistically, how much could their impact be? And if they go to a loaded squad, a lot of it is not because of them. So Jalen Williams would probably be from OKC a close second to me, but yeah. not a close, I'm sorry, a, a far away second. Paolo Bancaro by miles. Yep. I will tell you this, man. I love me some Jalen Williams. I have league pass and I ended up watching a lot more OKC games that, than I thought I would because I'm such a huge fan of this guy's game, man. Uh, I can't believe he slipped in the draft that far. He's from Santa Clara. Um, he was always a good player. I'm not going to lie to you. I never thought he'd be this good in the NBA this fast. But uh, look, like a rookie, he makes some mistakes. Uh, the defensive questions needs to get better. But, uh, man, scoring-wise, he can really put the ball in the basket. Um, I really like his game, man. Like you said, Paolo Bencaro is, is the most polished rookie. Um, you're right. He is kind of like a mellow. His three-point shot needs more work. There was a point in the season where I don't think he made, like, 28 straight threes. Uh, he was 0 for 28. But it's going to, like I said, he's a rookie. I'm nitpicking here. It's going to get better. He's a hard worker. But, uh, yeah, I would say Ben Carroll and Williams in that order. But I'm going to give a, a third place to uh, the Walker Kessler from uh, Utah, man. He's put together quite the season from Auburn. Um, and that Gobert trade is looking worse by the day. Um, he's essentially a, a younger Gobert. But uh, you have any quick thoughts on Kessler or someone else that should have made this list? Yeah, Kessler got – I really like him a lot too. And, you know, I think a lot of the reasons why he had such a or high shot-blocking totals this year is because def or opposing offenses were challenging him directly. Like, have you ever seen um, highlights of Deion Sanders? Yeah, of course. Well, I, I think it's a similar thing go what goes on when Gobert is on the court. Like, the opposing offense doesn't want to attack from the side where he's on the floor. But what you, see, you saw in Utah with Kessler, you know, because he's a rookie, opposing teams don't have too much on him on the scouting report, so they're challenging him, and he rejected a whole bunch of shots. I, I really like defensive players, especially guys who are very young and can impact the game in that way. But real quick, I want to shout out Benedict Matherin. Because yeah, it, that's it, another it, one, yep. You know, Indiana was com uh, competing like a 500 team for, I want to say, like two-thirds of the season. But they kind of fizzled out and finished below that. But he averaged like 16 points a game, and I think like – in total points, I think he finished over like 1,200. Maybe he caught like 1,300. He's someone who kind of looks a little bit to me like a young Victor Oladipo on the offensive. And defensively, he's not even close to Victor. But th those are my guys I'd like to shout out. Yeah, I, I love Benedict Matherin. For a long time, man, he was in second place. He was doing really well. And I like the Pacers' future. I think uh, they also got a steal. I think they got him with like the eighth overall pick or ninth. So they did well for themselves. Um yeah, I love Rookie of the Year, man. It's one of my favorite awards to to choose from. Um, okay, so we did six. I guess MVP is the last one left, right? We got Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Sixth Man. Uh, yeah. I think we think this is the last one, yes. Yep. All, All right. right, MVP. Um, you know what, man? I'm going to let you go first. Uh, I know you have a lot to say. Let's, let's get to the nitty-gritty here. It's going to come down to Embiid 
Jokic and Giannis, uh, respectfully. So, uh, who's your MVP and why? Uh, for the record, I, I saw more Nuggets games this year than Bucks and 76ers. It has a lot to do with living in this town, but it, it's it's been my pick since pretty much like six weeks into the season when things started really mattering. The Denver Nuggets do not look like the same team when he sits. Their offense completely falls apart. To me, he's the best playmaker in the game. He's someone who dissects double teams and really just He's like a V12 engine that powers the Denver Nuggets. Like respect to uh, Giannis and Joel. If they win it, I don't really have a problem with it because I'm, I'm looking at it through an objective point of view. And really, this is a subjective award, really. And I think it has a lot to do with where the voters are and exactly how many games they watch. But at the end of the day, the Joker is my pick. The Denver Nuggets finished as the first seed. He was the best player on the best team and really his efficiency numbers are off the charts, man, but he's just an unguardable player. Not to say that the other two aren't, but just, he's just my guy. Yeah. And I totally respect that pick, man. Um, Jokic is incredible. I, I think here's the issue. I, I, should he win it? Probably. But the issue is the back-to-back years he won it. And I really believe voters just get tired of choosing the same guy twice. As you know, I had Jokic, as my MVP for a, for a while till the end. Um, and by the way, I, I for people listening, I don't want to nitpick. These guys are all great players in their own right. They're fantastic. They're three of the top five players in the world. So it's not like uh, you know, we're bashing them too much. Um, Jokic is a, is a, is a great pick. Um, the, by the way, I don't think he got the, the, the assist, right. For the trip for averaging a triple double. I think he was a little shy of that. Correct. Yeah. He was shy. Yeah. Which is still incredible to do that. Um, my pick would look, and by the way, Embiid's a great player. Uh, I have nothing but respect for him, but I do hate the constant campaigning for this guy from his coach and from other players. I think it's a little ridiculous. Um, I don't want to take that away from him. He's a great player. He's he's dominant, but I have. Uh, it's just the way I view basketball and the way I see it. I just think Giannis is the best player in the world. Um, Jokic and 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 Giannis have both their teams atop the East, but I just think Giannis does a little bit more because of the defensive end and the defensive presence he brings. Not that Embiid can't play defense. Jokic really tries. Uh, he, I don't think he'll ever beat the elite defender, but he's a good defender. Uh, but I just think everything that Giannis does for Milwaukee, offensively and defensively, he would probably be my pick for MVP, but I know that's not going to happen. Um, I think deep down we both know Embiid's probably going to win the award, correct? You know, he might. I'm seeing a lot more... Uh, popular people in media favoring him to, to uh, your point on the campaigning for the award. It, it's so funny. Like six weeks ago, I think Doc Rivers said something like, we're not playing for that award. We're, something, <laughs> we're playing championships. And then he came out to a press conference the other day and said, Embiid scored more than half our team's points. He's the MVP. Total hypocrite, that guy. But Joel Embiid has been stellar. To your point about Giannis, man, he was like 41 points shy of back-to-back uh, years scoring 2,000 points. Yeah, like, I saw that. I, I'm with you 100% that he's the best player in the world. The detractors from Jokic, which is my pick, will attack his – well, he, he, I think he's a defensive liability. To tell you the truth, I would put him in pick and roll until the other team adjusts and takes the ball <laughs> and somehow. But – Really, the reason why Joker is in that award is because his offense is like on Stephen Curry's level where you can kind of excuse some of the defensive um, issues. But really, 
if, if you're sticking with Giannis, I re- I see no problem with it, man. He he played in 63 games, which I think is uh, maybe a, a few to a handful uh, less than the Joker, but really defensively his impact, there is no question. He was much more impactful than Nikola Jokic. Um, I think he can do a little bit more things just staying in front of the ball on the perimeter than Joel Embiid. And listen, he's the best player on the team with the best record in the league. It's, it's not crazy to pick that. It's, historically, that's gotten to a lot. It's gone to a lot of players that way. So, Giannis makes a lot of sense, but Joker was my pick. Well, yeah, and then like I said, I'm not going to nitpick. You're absolutely right on the Stephen Curry level. Um, offensively, he does so much for that team. It's crazy, and I'm going to give him beat his love too, man. He's he's one of the most dominant players in the league. Uh, his his bag offensively is is incredible. Uh, virtually, he can make every shot now. Now he's a respectable three point shooter. Um, the, the ticky tack calls kind of bother me sometimes, but, uh, I'm going to be honest. I hate watching Joel Embiid play basketball, but he's really good at it. So, um, what he's done this year for Philly and what he means to that team in Philadelphia is pretty important. So if he wins the award, good for him. Like I said, not going to nitpick those, those three are three of the top five players in the world. So really can't go wrong here. Um, any last words in the MVP award? You know, I, I hope Joel Embiid's chronic case of flopping, you know, doesn't, you know, sting him in the butt on this one, because at the end of the day, he is a tremendous player. And real quick story, the man is a warrior with a very high pain threshold. And this is coming from someone who has a very weak pain threshold. Like, for (laughs) for example, like a year ago, I think it was game six against Toronto. I think Pascal Siakam crashed into him. he, He broke his face, the orbital bone. 10 days later, he was playing against the Heat in Miami. This, or excuse I'm sorry, in 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 Philadelphia against Miami that this dude is the real deal and some of his antics like the complaining the flopping could get annoying but it really doesn't um, sum up who he is as a player yeah 100% Um, well those are our awards Uh, we'll see what happens in the next couple of days Um, I don't even think you can bet on it anymore but uh, we virtually almost agreed on everything but the MVP so um, all right Let's get into uh, one of the more interesting things in the NBA. That is the play-in tournament. It's really the second year this is really happening. Um, let's start. We'll, we'll leave the heat for the last game. Let's start with the uh, one of the more interesting games, um, Thunder and Pelicans. Um, obviously, the Pelicans don't have Zion. Honestly, I have no idea what's going on with that guy. We keep getting update after update, but it seems like he just can't make any progress. I don't know if it's on the Pelicans end or – or Zion's end. Um, I think there should be a serious discussion at the end of the season if he should be there, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, basketball standpoint, Thunder and Pelicans, obviously kind of a weird stat, man, but the Thunder don't have a center, man, and their leading rebounder is Josh Giddy of seven rebounds, which I think is pretty funny. But uh, look, they have the Thunder have a superstar uh, in SGA. I think he's really good at everything he does. So I'll give it to you first, man. What are your expectations for this game, and who do you have winning? I think I have the Pelicans winning this one because they have a little bit more offensive options. Really, at the end of the day, what would make me happiest is if we see a shootout between Ingram and SGA. Um, both teams have like the the agitator on defense to throw at the best perimeter player on the other side. OKC's got Dort to bother Ingram. Um, the Pelicans have someone like Jose Alvarado, who, although is a bit smaller, 
really does a good job of staying in front of the ball. He can bother uh, SGA in this series. It's it's a shame that the Pelicans, you know, don't have Zion. Like, granted, if, if they did, they probably wouldn't be in the position to be in a play-in game. But um, listen, for this one, I think it really could go down to the wire because you got two guys in Ingram and SGA for either side who can get their shot off against anybody. They both got the they got length or the smallest one is SGA at six foot six and their threats from every area of the court from behind the three point line, mid range and inside. And usually those are the guys you go to late and because of what all the things they can do, the other team sometimes has to throw a double at them. They have the size to dissect it by passing over. So really I think we're gonna see a very competitive game in this one, but I'm gonna take yeah. it in the I'm going to bounce back on your thing, and I'm going to take the Pelicans as well for a couple of reasons. One, I'm really big on playoff experience. I think that that really matters in the games like this. Obviously, the Pelicans have more. Um, obviously, the Thunder are a very young team. I don't question SGA, but I question the other guys and their and and their and Josh Giddy and 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 Jalen Williams' first games this year. But something that I really am taking the Pelicans over is just the Thunder's big man. Um, Jonas Valanciunas is an elite rebounder, in my opinion. Um, he is a very underrated center, in my opinion. Defensively, yes, questions fine, but rebounding wise, this guy's elite, dude. He can really rebound, and that's going to be a big factor in this game. Uh, you can't have your 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 uh, point guard or slash shooting guard, whatever you want to put him as, as your leading rebounder. I think that's big in this type of game. Um, I think it'll be close in a bit, but I think at the end that the Pelicans are going to run away with this and win by like eight to ten points. Add, adding to your point about Jonas Valanciunas, he, he's another player in their starting lineup who can create his own shot because of his skills with his back to the basket. He's got finesse and power to take advantage of whoever is behind him. He's really good. And we didn't even mention the other guy, the veteran scorer from the team, CJ McCollum. He's yeah, also exactly. ball on the floor. So really, I'm, I'm going to take the Pelicans because of just more offensive options. But good good, good analysis on um, Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, Um and and by the way, uh, in the future, I, I still will kindly say this. I think the Thunder have one of the brightest futures in the NBA. Nothing but uh, love for OKC. It's nice when they're better. I hope they go back to Seattle. But um, <laughs> all right, let's get to uh, one of the more weirder stories in the NBA, that which really came down to the last season, um, the Lakers and the Timberwolves. Let's start with the Timberwolves side. Obviously, in case anyone was living under a rock, uh, Rudy Gobert, I don't want to use the word punch, but I guess – uh, yeah, I guess I could use that word. Punched uh, Kyle Anderson in, in in the chest area, and they were arguing over stuff. And quote unquote, it was uh, Kyle Anderson. It started at Rudy Gobert saying, "Why don't you grab a rebound?" And then uh, Kyle Anderson, "Why don't you?" Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, sorry, I, I totally forgot the the quotes. It was something ridiculous, and it ended up with Kyle Anderson saying "bitch," and then uh, Gobert threw a punch. But all all serious aside. Um, Look, the Timberwolves suspended Rudy Gobert for this game. I, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I'm kind of shocked that they would do that in a game like this, considering how much the Timberwolves went all in and what they gave up to get Gobert. I think it's kind of stupid that they're doing that. But um, look, this is a really important game for them. They're trying to take the next step, and I don't understand it. But I'll let you talk about this game first. You know the suspension because of the poisonous behavior of Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert is really going to affect them in this game. Their front court is very thin now. Now you're pretty much just looking at Nas Reed and Torian Prince and saying, please help. Remember, but, Nas Reed is out for the year. Oh, you're, my, my goodness. I'm having a brain fart. You're 
you're you're right. So really, the situation is is worse than expected. Uh, g- good call on that one. But yeah. re- really, in this game, I, I was going to pick the Lakers even if they had Gobert because you know LeBron is a freak and Anthony Davis is yep. is too when he's playing and he's a little healthy. But re- really. Um, the Lakers seem to have been gelling ever since they got the new pieces after the deadline. And then some of their other players came back, but I want to stick real quick with something you mentioned like the Timberwolves decision to just suspend Gobert. I think it was dumb just to suspend him. I would personally, I would have suspended both him and Kyle Anderson. Because, yeah, I agree. Listen, like there's no reason why Kyle Anderson should have been hit. Like I know what he said. Like the, the B word is, is a fighting word. If, if you say it to someone like a stranger on the street, you're probably asking for trouble, but you know, he instigated this and, you know, Gobert lost his head. You know, I think suspending them both would have inst- uh, sent the message that you're instilling the right culture. You know, it's just, it's not just about wins here. It's, it's about professionalism and, you know, Gobert right now is the only one out and, he is someone the team gave up an enormous amount of assets for, and now they can't use them with their season on the line. Luckily for them, if they lose this game, they still have another opportunity with the winner of the nine and 10 game, but going shifting back real quick to the series with the, or not series, the, the game with the Lakers and the Timberwolves tomorrow, Anthony Davis is going to eat them alive in the interior. And, you know, the, with the loss of Gobert, and we, for, you forgot, we forgot to mention, you know, J- Jaden McDaniels, like he, uh, Oh he yeah. Ball on the wall, yeah, and fractured his hand. He he's someone who is very adept at playing the inside and the outside defensively. They're toast, man. Like they might give up like sixty plus points in the paint. Dude, you're hundred percent right. Like, uh, and and Jaden McDaniel's has turned into quite the player for them. Like he's not a scrub; he's a pretty good player. Um, obviously they have Anthony Edwards, but I agree, man. They're gonna get absolutely annihilated. Um, I don't think this game's gonna be close. To be honest with you, I know Cat is is there, but. Uh, he has questions defensively and rebounding. I questioned at times, but uh, yeah, not having Gobert, he's still a good defensive presence. He's tall. He can rebound. Um, and Anthony Davis is just going to dominate Cat if he's one-on-one with him. So, and then by the way, if they double team AD, they're just going to give it to LeBron. Who's going to take over. Um, not to mention Austin Reeves is having a good year. Uh, it's a, it's a re- quote unquote revenge game for D'Lo uh, who's been <laughs> shooting it better recently. Yeah. I, I think just, the Lakers have cho- cho- chosen the right time to play well, and and it seems like they're really meshed, like you said, the last couple of months. Uh, ever since that those trades have happened, and they've come over to the other side. So yeah, uh, we both have the Lakers in this one, correct? Yes, we do. And the the last thing I want to mention about the Timberwolves being in a hole is Gobert on the offensive end. He's one of the best screeners in the league, and last season I think he was top two or maybe number one in screen assists. It's the um. Well, it's basically an assist without it on the on the stat sheet. It's basically he got the ball handler open. They either hit a jump shot or got into the lane and finished. They don't yeah. have that. Yep. Um, all right, let's get to another uh, game: Bulls and Raptors. They believe it or not, these teams have both played a lot better of recent. Um, this is such a tough game, man. I'm probably going to choose the Raptors. Uh, it is a home game for the Raptors. I just think they have a little more juice. Uh, I know Zach Levine is a really good scorer, but honestly, at times, DeMar DeRozan's a little bit inconsistent of recently, the last couple of weeks. Uh, he either scores two points or 30 points, but um, I just think, uh, look, the the defensive weakness of uh, uh, Vucevic is going to hurt this team a lot. Um, Pato's a professional center. He's not the sexiest player in the world, but I think he's going to do some some work in this game. 
Um, I think Fred Van Vliet wants to have a good year at the end of the year for Toronto, keep his contract there, and also have a, a good way before he leaves Toronto for good. Um, OG Ananubi and uh, and what's his name? Scotty Barnes are going to do well. I think my pick is the Raptors, but I do think it's going to be a close game. I do think this could be like a five-point game. You know, they. I'm, I'm very curious to see how the big man battle plays out in this one because both uh, foreign centers and they, they both can create at the elbow with um, – uh, Pertle and Vucevic, but really what, what's the difference for me in this series, Robert, is that Pascal Siakam is kind of a matchup nightmare for the Chicago Bulls because at 6'9", I don't think anybody has the speed and the strength to guard him. Maybe like Patrick Williams is, you know, quick enough, but I don't think he's strong enough to stay in front of Pascal if he's driving towards the rim and he's got a shoulder into his chest this is really someone who if you throw a double at him because he is six nine if you got a close man next to him make the first pass and then you swing it over to the open man or he can just find the open man directly passing over the defense it's i know chicago has options like scoring the ball like zach levine and demar Derozan. De- demar Derozan's de- definitely mid-range and inside with a post game levine's the one with the outside shot and who's better off the ball, but I just think I'm going with the team with the best player and it's, it's Pascal Siakam in this one. And a good point about Fred Van Vliet because the contract year, this is the type of moments where someone needs to ball out if they're looking to get paid. Yeah. And uh, I purposely didn't mention Siakam because I knew you would. So um, good calls on that one. Um, but I do think, you do think it's going to be a close game? You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I think OG Ananobi, could take out one of the uh, Chicago Bulls' main offensive weapons. It could be DeRozan or Levine, but I'm I'm expecting one of them to keep them hot. It will it will probably be DeRozan. I know he's been a little inconsistent as of late, but th- this dude is a veteran, and it's just it's one game. It's it's not a series where, you know, the the opponent's going to look at the tape and you know take away the things that they did in the previous game. He's been in the league a long time, and he's someone who's very good at drawing contact from the elbow and inside. Yep, but I'm still taking Toronto. I will say this, man. Uh, everyone thought the Raptors would be sellers at the deadline, but honestly, Jacob Pato has been a very good sneaky buy for this team. I think he's really helped this team a lot. I like his game. Really, you know, you're going to get from him solid player. Um, so I thought that was a good transaction for him at, at the deadline. All right, let's get to uh, the Miami Heat at the Hawks. Uh, I'm going to say a little bit and let you get take over this one. Um, the Heat is just have a really good record against the Hawks in general. For some reason, they always find a formula for Trey Young. I think, I honestly believe there's not even going to be a close game. I think they can win by 10 points. I think Spolstra in these type of moments are really good. I think they, they just seem to always do a very good job on Trey Young, who honestly, if he's not going, I don't think this team is going. So um, those are my thoughts real quick, but I'll let you talk about the heat and what you think is going to happen in this, this game. I think the heat are going to win Robert, but I think it's going to be, a close game and that's really the the theme of how the season has been they've had the most close games th- this season out of every team but really what why I'm a little concerned for the Heat and why I think it's going to be so close is because of the conflicting styles between both groups the Heat are one of the three slowest in the NBA and the Hawks are one of the five quickest and when you play faster you're generating more possessions and here's the problem the Heat's offense has been a mess all season and in March they were one of the three worst defensive teams in the league that's not a very good sign to show late in the season and if your offense isn't hitting shots against a team that's you know going to generate a lot more shots on the goal 
plus you're not defending well, you could be in some serious trouble. But here's the thing. This is, again, just one game. If, if you lose this one, you're, you're still in the play and you, you see the winner of the nine and ten. But the best player in this game is Jimmy Butler. Man, he's also a nightmare on the defensive end because he can blow up the offense. You can stick him on the best perimeter player of the opposing side and he can wreak some havoc. So I'm, I'm going to go with Miami in a close game. Okay. Uh, very good analysis on that. Um, can only hope for the best. I, I do want to fast forward here. Let's say the Heat do uh, advance. They would be playing the Boston Celtics. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie, man. I think that is a blessing in disguise because – well, first, I'm not going to say it's all bias aside. I think they have a legitimate chance to beat Boston for this reason. I think the hand injury to Jalen Brown is a serious thing. Uh, stitches in your hand is always a problem. Um, and I just think uh, there's a chance. So if, if we do play the Celtics, quick thought on that real quick. Sure. You know, if they do play the Celtics before Jalen Brown cut his hand, I was thinking, you know, this would probably go six and Boston would be favored. But here's the thing. You got stitches in your hand. It can't be easy to dribble a basketball when there's a fresh wound there. And yeah. or I know it's not, he's not going to play immediately after that. Well, cause there's going to be some days in between, but there's definitely going to be some soreness or maybe a little bit of pain there. So, he may be looking to play a, a little bit more off ball in a certain situation, but really this is the opponent that beat Miami last year in a game seven. You know, I don't want to take too much away from that. And the, the, the biggest thing I want uh, to take away from it, however, is, you know, the embarrassment. I know that sticks with players. They've been asked multiple times this year, it, uh, their feelings about it. And I think a lot of them have lied. They, they have said they put it behind them, but you know, those things hurt. You know, I've, I've heard like a lot of, former players confess like Magic Johnson. I think when the Lakers lost game seven in 1984 on their home floor, how he talked about it being the longest summer. I think that's a a motivating factor, but the Heat do not have this in their favor for all of P.J. Tucker, what he may have declined this year in Philadelphia. He was the Heat's best defensive communicator last year, and he was someone who was trusted in the locker room and someone who can hold guys in check and, you know, call a quick huddle in, um, during a, a stoppage in the game and get everybody settled again. They don't have that anymore That well because they lost that in him. They, they got Jimmy and Bam pretty much leading and Udonis pretty much giving counsel from the bench. But I would still favor the Celtics with, with uh, Jalen Brown's um, uh, hand injury, but I, w- I think it goes seven now. Yeah. And wouldn't that be something that he'd find the second round? But first things first. <laughs> Uh, let's get past the Hawks, um, and we'll go from there, but I can't wait for the play and turn tomorrow. Uh, Mateo, I want to end on one last thing, something that's really bothered me, something that I really want to talk about. That is the Maverick situation to, uh, tank, uh, the last two games of the season or whatever it was. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I, I don't understand what the ownership and Mark Cuban's doing. You, they, they literally went all in to get Kyrie Irving. They gave up two solid players and, and Dinwiddie and, and Finney Smith, who is really respected around the league as a defensive guy, which they really needed. Uh, and they get Kyrie. Uh, they're they're essentially a game away from making the plan. I think if they would have won that game, they probably would have. Well, they wouldn't because OKC won. But point is, they 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 really threw in the towel at the end. I thought they could have honestly have gotten the plan if they really tried. But look, you go all in for, for Kyrie. You have a top five player in the world in his prime, essentially just wasting that for nothing. Um and you just make your star player more unhappy as, as the years go on. You don't re-sign Brunson. 
uh, when you had the chance to do that the years before. What is going on with the Mavericks, man? Why the hell would they tank? And by the way, it's not even a guarantee they get a top 10 pick and they don't get the top 10 pick. It goes to the Knicks. So what the hell are they doing? I'm glad you brought up that last point because really, you know, would they have made the plane if if they won out? Maybe. I think they needed um, OKC to lose one. Um, but, you know, this this is why you compete, man. Like it, It's hard to take uh, people in the league seriously when they call themselves competitors and they do this type of things. You know, um, quick note, I got this from Mark Stein from his newsletter at, on Substack.com. When the Mavericks, um, when that news was released that Luka was only going to play the first quarter, apparently Luka Doncic did not even know that yet. So that's something that probably ticks him off even more. The, the Atlas Mavericks situation really proves that they're the biggest disappointment of the season. You got one of the five best players in the world and you're on the outside looking in. The NBA added a, a, a play-in tournament, which basically, you know, a week before the playoffs start makes it interesting with two extra teams, you know, to see if, you know, they could may potentially knock out the other two. But here's the, the thing. You mentioned Kyrie. Kyrie is a, a symptom of all the madness going on there. I know he's had his issues, you know, in Brooklyn this year. That's a whole different topic. But really, a lot of this stems down to the, what you said a moment ago. They didn't pay Jalen Brown. Excuse me, I'm not Jalen Brown. I'm sorry. Jalen Brunson when he was up for his money. And recently, Mark Cuban um, denied the report that um, Rick Brunson, his, his Jalen's father, who was an assistant on the Knicks, said that they could have, you know, paid him. I think 56 for four years, which would have came out to an average of 14 a year, and he would have stayed. Uh, Mark is denying that, and he's, he's saying it it wasn't about money, pretty much implying that he had his heart set on New York. But really, I'm not so sure about that. At the end of the day, this is a business and money talks, and what you lost in him, you lost a secondary ball create, uh, offensive creator who could actually get open without a pick and could take some of the stress off Luka. This is why they made the trade for Kyrie Irving, but it was really a dumbass trade, excuse my French, because they gave up so many key role players that do all the nitty-gritty for Kyrie Irving and guess what their record was like five and eight or like five and ten with Kyrie Irving and and they they missed out and guess what he's a he's a free agent this summer and he to all, all indi indications point to him testing free agency so you could also lose him they, they really look like a loser organization so they essentially lost Jalen Brunson they're gonna probably I'm gonna say 50 50 that's a legitimate 50 50 that they're probably gonna lose Kyrie um they lost multiple first round picks finney smith and dinwiddie uh and they virtually got nothing in return for that that's truly amazing um oh. real quick rob um we forgot to mention um wasn't there a 2029 unprotected pick in, in yeah. that deal? yeah like that that's a long time from now the, the mavs could be hot garbage by then and what, let's just say they win the lottery it conveys to the Brooklyn Nets it's it's just a ghastly situation to be in and with Kyrie you know I'm going to give it a 40% chance he leaves because to my knowledge as of right now I don't know of any other team that's interested in him yeah and honestly um Kyrie has all the leverage when it comes to the Mavericks I think he can get the max from actually he will get the max from them uh, it's whether he wants to take it or not I saw some reports that LA is not interested in anymore we'll see about that um and Lakers I mean by the way but another thing I have with this is like, look, 
the West is as wide open as it's ever been. I know we have the Denver Nuggets playing really well. I know the Suns have KD, but they 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 have their own issues. Uh, I just don't understand why you would legitimately waste a prime year of Luca when there's only so many. There's a handful of these kind of guys that you have, and uh, to not even try or show that you cared not only to your organization but to your fans, I think it's truly embarrassing, man. You know, they Mark Cuban talked about there being new changes, but you, you, you're, you have to wait and see what happens with Kyrie and your other assets are like mid-level role players. You, you, your best one probably there is Tim Hardaway Jr. But realistically, if you throw in your draft pick from this year, which you're going to get because it's not going to convey to New York because they, they missed the playoffs, you know, what realistically can you get back that's better? Like they're in a terrible situation and r- real quick on Kyrie. Why? Um, I- I'm I'm not so sure what he's going to do. I I, I think he, um, I would favor more that he's going to stay in Dallas. But the thing is, a lot of that has to do with, I can't imagine him adding Luca to the list of guys he's left because look, it's, it's Jason Tatum. It's Durant. It's LeBron. At one point, do you look at all these names and you look at this guy and say, are you serious about winning? Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, man, you make great points on that. Look, we're not going to talk about how how great gifted Kyrie is as a basketball player. I mean, he's one of the best guards in the league, um, but it's all the other stuff that comes with it. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. And honestly, Mateo, I'll tell I'll tell you this, dude. I think there's a there's going to be some legitimate chalk after next season if Luca's going to stay with the Mavs or not. Uh, they got they better start making some of the right decisions because they they're going to lose a a franchise altering player if they keep this up you know a month ago if you would have told me that i would have thought you were crazy check this out they missed the playoffs this year and at the start of the season if you would have asked me that i really wouldn't have thought it was possible minus like a significant injury to luca but here's the thing um you know missing the playoffs losing assets for someone who can walk let's just say he does walk you know you saw someone like durant before the season started when he had four years left on his deal demand a trade like players are getting very bold when they're committed for such a long time it's like they don't really care anymore you know they, they want to get to a better situation quicker and you know I, I think it's it's more possible that it happens now because of how the Mavs shot themselves in the foot this year yep well said, man. Let's end on that note. Uh, Mateo, this is fun. I'm going to have you back on when we uh, finally have the playoffs start and we have all the brackets going. Like always, thanks for coming on. And uh, for all the viewers at home again, uh, can you tell them where they can catch your stuff? Yes, you can find me on 5 My column there is called Mateo's Hoop Diary. And uh, uh, fan side, I'm, I'm at the King James Gospel. Awesome, man. Well, like always, thanks for coming on. We'll have you back on soon. Thank you so much.